Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, we are back. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are, of course, your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Uh, just a quick reminder, yesterday, or yesterday yesterday was the weekend, and it was my birthday. Yay! But that's actually Happy birthday. Yeah, well, you know, I'm 44 now. Oh, boy. Of course, somebody else on the radio show is 43 on Wednesday. I don't really know who 42 that is. 42 right but, now. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> okay, Julie, you're 42. We're working ahead sure. now. <laughs> that's right. All right. Yes. So, um, everyone, tomorrow, special guest. Pat Hyben, and some of you guys know Pat, most of you probably don't, but Pat is one of these agents who's been around for a long time and has had all different levels of success in his real estate career. Um, Pat is a big KW agent, and um, he's had uh, a huge team, and I think probably in the country he's probably had one of the biggest teams. Not even really a team, it could probably be classified as a mega team, uh, he had, uh, I think it was like two separate or three separate teams operating simultaneously during the real estate bubble. So he's got a lot of interesting stories to tell about the actual profitability of teams. He's one of the few people, to be honest with you guys, that I know in who's essentially built a big real estate team that will tell the truth about his numbers. Uh, I'm not to say that the other people that have teams don't tell their truth, uh, don't tell the truth about their profitability. My theory is, frankly, they just don't even know because a lot of times you'll ask an agent how much money they are actually pulling out of their teams, and they'll just throw out some number based on you know whatever they think will impress you the most. Because you know, then they'll rationalize, well, I'm writing this off and I'm rolling that into the business, and my car is paid for, and you know all the rest of it. But you know the reality of it is, is they don't know really what the profit is that they're pulling out of their business. When you really, when I have somebody who has a big team. On a, as a coaching student or on a free coaching call, I always drill down and I ask them really the bottom line question. How much profit did you pull out of your business? And if you don't know or if you're just guessing, what do you really have to show for your past decade, 20, 30 years in the real estate business? You know, Are you a millionaire? Do you have a mortgage on your house? Do you have two years worth of savings in the bank? Things like that. Really kind of qualifying and opening their eyes up to the fact that in most cases, they have not accumulated any real net worth. All their team has done for them essentially is pass lots of money through, through lots of real estate transactions, and pass that money right back out. In other words, they aren't keeping anything. So they usually come to us after having followed the primrose path of building a team. They usually come to us at the point where they have an epiphany and realize, yes, I've got all these people working for me, and maybe I'm not having to deal directly with buyers and sellers anymore, but let me tell you, I'm definitely having to do work. I was told that I was going to be able to uh, sit on a beach and pick, uh, pick lint out of my toes when I had a team. I was told right. that I was going to be able to go to my iPhone and get updates on all the houses we sold where I didn't have to really do anything. But then they find out that they're still having to work, and in many cases work a heck of a lot more at a heck of a lot higher level. Um, but they're just doing different kinds of work. So, guys, there's a lot of myths, I think, just to be politically correct and not call them lies, but there's a lot of myths about teams. 
there's a lot of myths about the profitability of teams. There's a lot of myths about really whether or not agents should be even considering forming a team beyond just maybe two or three assistants. So we're going to be hopefully getting into some of that tomorrow when we have Pat on the show. And Julie and I have, like I said, we've known Pat for, I don't know, almost as long as we've sold real estate. So it's, you know, it'll be an informal He'll be a great kind of interview, interview absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, well, he's honest, you know, he'll, he'll shoot straight. Less of an interview and more of a conversation is, yep. is what I expect it to be. So, Julie, before we get to today's topic, today's show here on Monday, March 10th, 2014, I have, of course, my question I always like to ask you. Have you had any coaching calls or any experiences, anything yeah, you'd like to? your question du jour. <laughs> my question du jour for my lovely wife about um, essentially anything you've experienced in your own personal private one-on-one coaching calls that you would like to share with our listeners. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, uh, normally I share something from my private, you know, advanced one-on-one coaching call clients, but last week I had... Uh, several calls that were free coaching calls, you know, free coaching calls for agents.com, and they had a similar theme because we had been talking about paying for buyer leads, and we've been talking about whether you should build a team or not build a team. We've been talking about Zillow versus Trulia, all of these things. And, you know, the common question for these free coaching call callers was several of them were newer or newish agents. And actually, the surprising thing was I got the exact same question from a couple of calls later in the week from Grizzled Veterans, and their question was all the same, which was, why doesn't anybody teach us about the bottom line in real estate financially? They were working on the treasure map, you know, our coaching, um, our business plan that is very personalized. It's not a dry, you know, free downloadable thing that you're going to find by Googling business plan. No, this is much more detailed, and what it does is it forces the uh, agent our students, our coaching clients, to actually think about their numbers and their goals, what they want out of life, how much savings they need, and to get them refocused on why they got into real estate in the first place. And their question was always the same. Well, why isn't there any financial training, so to speak, from, you know, one of them said, why don't we get this as part of our license? We shouldn't be allowed to be licensed without knowing this stuff. (laughs) You know, that's not going to change, but I would have to agree with that. And they were all focused on the fact that in real estate, you kind of throw stuff at the wall and hope that something sticks. There's no budget involved. There's no goal setting. You're just kind of trying stuff out all the time and how frustrated they were with that. It goes back to the original uh, premise of what we try to help all these guys understand is the system, the cards are 100% stacked against them. The whole Mm -hmm. real estate industry, the whole system, the broker agent system is nothing more than a body shop designed to essentially get new people in, soak them for their centers of influence and their past clients. They're sort of organic, easy deals that everyone's Mm going to have when they get into real estate. You're going to have some friends and family that just, you know, maybe it'll be 10 people, maybe it'll be two people, you know, it'll be somebody that's going to say, hey, you got your real estate license, I wanted to buy X, or I was thinking about buying Y. Yeah, you're going to luck out into some deals. Time yeah, you're going to luck out into some deals, and then you're going to maybe, you know, luck out in some deals for two years. You you might be lucky if you pull out five or ten deals over your initial 24 months in real estate. That's typical. Uh, but the problem is, is once those easy deals dry up, there really is no reason statistically for the industry to reinvest in you, your broker, your office manager, and whatnot. They expect you to fail. They expect you to not last because most agents don't wake up to the fact that, Really, beyond those easy deals, they're going to have to learn how to be business owners. Teaching someone how to have some sales skills, you know, that takes time, that takes effort, but it's not that difficult. Teaching someone to think like a business owner, 
teaching you guys to stop thinking like you're, you know, working for your broker as salespeople, though legally you are, but you remember you're independent contractors. If you don't believe me, wait until you pay your taxes next month and you realize that, hey, guess what? I'm having to pay all my own withholdings. Hmm. <laughs> so the reality <laughs> of it is, is you are an independent contractor. You are essentially in control of your future and the fortune that you do or don't build. So what we really focus on is how to make it so you guys can not just earn a lot of money, but keep a lot of money so that one day you wake up enjoying the benefits of true financial freedom, not the kind of financial freedom that you hear about on the late-night infomercials. I'm talking about practical stuff, your house paid off, no credit card debt, no car debt, at least six months worth of financial reserves in the bank, those types of things. And then the next level beyond that would be producing enough passive income from non-real estate business sources that if you chose to, you wouldn't have to work anymore. That is easier to do than you think buying things like rental properties. Buying rental properties and, and you know buying them smart, paying them off. Lots of other ways you can produce passive income. But really, you know, guys, it's a process and it starts with your mindset so getting back to the question, one of the things, again, that Julie and I sort of really hope to open the industry's eyes about agents, because remember, we're an agent-centric coaching business. We're not going to be up there telling you to form a team unless we know for a fact that as an individual agent, that's the best thing for you. Of course, the industry wants you to form a team. The industry, for the most part, wants you to have a bunch of licensed assistants, because then they make you, that essentially puts you in a position of having to do the hardest job for the broker, which is recruiting. Yeah, now, if you want to get all those fees, and you did all the hard work. Yeah, I mean, the hardest thing, guys, for a broker, those of you who don't know this, the crappiest job in any brokerage is being the person that has to recruit new agents. It's a horrible job. So if they can figure out a way to get you to do it by forming a team and telling you how it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then all the agents out there who should be learning how to sell, all the agents out there who should be learning how to save, pay off debt, and build wealth are then distracted because they're now forming teams. And, guys, just listen, in some cases, a team makes sense for you. But I have to tell you, in most cases, if you have your head screwed on straight, if you truly understand the financial ramifications of the decisions regarding adding staff and all of that, it doesn't move you closer to the goal of financial independence and financial freedom. It moves you further away and sometimes further away to the point where you start accumulating debt. You start actually making it so that the probability of you ever having any sort of real wealth goes to zero because you formed a team. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? Please don't think that uh, being famous or having a team or being able to brag about all your staff is the same thing as being rich. Please don't believe that having a team and having a big staff and even having you know your name up on every billboard in town is the same thing as being rich. Very rarely does being famous and being wealthy go together. It's another American myth that those things do, but very rarely. You know, it's very common that in most major markets, the top producing agent, the agent that everyone wants to be like, everyone loves and hates, everyone knows who that agent is in your marketplace. Well, it's very common that that agent is probably two or three bad months away from being broke. If you don't believe me, go back and study the recent history of when the bubble broke how many of the nation's top producing agents declared bankruptcy or essentially were walking on a nice edge to the point where they had to get rid of everyone on their team? Tim, so I remember a superstar right interview with uh, Valerie Fitzgerald in L.A., and I remember yeah. her saying, the very, you know, pretty close in after the crash, that she her team had grown to the point 
where she wasn't sure what everybody on the team was actually doing all day long. And yeah. she downsized her team, you know, which totally yeah. made sense. But, you know, when things are booming, a lot of strange things can get covered up. Like, where's all the money going, and who are these people anyway, and why do I need 12 or 15 of them? So it's interesting right. to see what agents do as they get more productive and hopefully more efficient. Sometimes they actually end up being less productive and less efficient because they have the money to pass through now. They don't make the same great decisions that they did when they didn't have it to play with. It's kind of an interesting lots thing of, to watch. Lots and lots of cash flow covers up right. lots and lots of mistakes. Exactly. That's just the thing. You know, lots of cash flow covers lots of mistakes. You're just not as careful. You just don't think about it. It was very That's interesting. Terrible, though. That that doesn't have to be their life sentence. On tomorrow's radio show, I'll ask Pat, and and uh, I already know what he's going to say, but I'll ask Pat what he would have done differently, and what he knows all of his you know billionaire agent compatriots would have done differently had they known that the real estate bubble was only going to last seven years or whatnot. I already know what his answer will be. I'll just tell you right now. They all would have saved more money. Every single one of them would have saved more money. Every single one of them would have you know, been a lot more prudent about the accumulation of debt. You guys remember, if you've been in this industry for any length of time, you remember how everyone was championing good debt versus bad debt? Oh, Rich right. debt, poor debt. You guys read that? Good to be leveraged. Yes, good be leveraged. You still hear that argument out there. Oh, with interest rates so low, why don't you go out and borrow yourself up into oblivion and have a whole bunch of debt? And why would take you pay advantage off of those low rates? And why would you yeah. pay off your own house? And why wouldn't you go out and take advantage? Right. Well, I'll tell you why. Because as soon as, for example, all those brilliant rental properties that you have mortgaged to the hilt stop have or lose value, oh, remember that it does happen. Or as soon as you have enough of those go vacant, where you have to make the mortgage payment yourself. Guess what then happens? That thing that you were calling an asset is now a huge liability, and it won't take too many of those liabilities to really cause some serious financial heartache. So, guys, think about that. So when Julie and I come back, we're actually going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago with how to get unstuck and how to stay motivated every day. And, Jules, my dear, I'm counting on you to tell me where we're supposed to pick up from the last time we presented this because I don't remember. So we will be back in a very short break, and then when we do, we are going to get back on the topic of how to get unstuck and stay motivated every day. Is coaching right for you, and how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you are asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. Where do they learn what they know? And more importantly, how do they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach, not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach, a proven market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes, a coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching, 
However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best, not someone who is simply assigned to you or, even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you are thinking about it, why don't you visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, we are back. So, Julie, let's jump right in our notes. And remember, guys, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And please, existing Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching, Harris Real Estate University coaching students, please, you guys obviously are going to be given priority when requesting a free coaching call. Um, Julie and I are decided to keep ourselves in rotation for at least another couple of weeks so you can actually schedule a free coaching call with one of us. And I'm adding more of our coaches to the roster just because we've had a lot of requests and I don't want to have, uh, make you guys have to wait too long for your free coaching call. So uh, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If you're not a student but you're seriously considering becoming a student, obviously uh, request a free coaching call. Let us know what we can do for you. And I think you guys know us well enough if you've been listening to this radio show that we're not just a one-trick pony as far as uh, coaches. We are 100% advocating agents having multiple sources of leads, leads that they don't have to pay for. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to previous radio shows. Again, another hot topic for us is the idea that agents should never be buying buyer leads. Just kind of nutty. Moving on, we are picking up where we left off a couple weeks ago. So, Julie, the next point and how to stay motivated every day and get and, let's say, stay unstuck, what's the next point you wrote down? The next point is a simple one, which says read great books, or we might say listen to great books. You know, you've got Amazon downloads, you've got audible.com, audiobooks.com. There is no excuse but to fill your brain with great stuff. My, one of my favorites to always go to is Napoleon Hill. And this, I, I use this on coaching calls all the time. Here's a great quote from him. Don't wait. Time will never be, quote, just right. And in our coaching calls, Tim, on the individual classes as well as our individual one-on-one -on -one calls, we have this theme called, what are you waiting for? I know in our short sell class, Michelle McClintock has a great call that she does. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the bank to call you back, waiting for the other agent to call you back. On my personal coaching calls, I am always using this quote from Napoleon Hill about lead follow-up. Well, I left a message. I'm waiting for them to call me back. What are you waiting for? There's no perfect time. I get the, the question, when's the perfect time to call an expired? You know, like there's some magical moment during the day that all expired homeowners will be home. 
There's never well, a perfect silly, time, so silly, don't silly, wait. Let's, That's let's, a, just okay. one little mini morsel from Napoleon Hill. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, and you're going to be introspective about this, because what you're talking about right now is procrastination, right? Right. Okay, and so you are a musician. You're definitely somebody who's analytical in nature as your most mm-hmm. dominant personality, which, by the way, we're going to be talking about that very soon on this radio show, uh, DISC. So, Julie, you haven't always been a take-action kind of gal. You used to suffer from, from procrastination-itis, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure. sure a lot of our listeners today are basically realizing that one of their fatal flaws in making money in this industry is basically procrastinating. So, how do you help? Co- how did you get over being a procrastinator? How did your coach? How do you help your coaching clients get over being procrastinators? You know, and the other funny thing is is a lot of these guys rationalize the procrastination, especially the analyticals, because they think that they're supposed to not do anything until they've absolutely mastered it. You know where I'm coming from. Help these guys right. understand that sort of giving them sure. something they can use as opposed to just a point. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, you and I went on a, your birthday walk yesterday, and I'm trying to remember exactly what the uh, quote was that perfect is the enemy of done, for example. So getting things done. Now, I heard an affirmation. I don't know where this comes from, but I probably heard it 15 years ago, and I use this a lot when I feel myself procrastinating. And it's a simple affirmation that says, I'm a doer, I do things now, I get things done. I'm a doer, I do things now, I get things done. And I apply that to uh, probably my favorite thing to procrastinate is exercise. So I've adopted an exercise first thing in the morning policy. That way I'm not thinking about it the whole day and procrastinating the entire day because I've noticed that when you start procrastinating one thing, then you're in a procrastination habit of procrastinating other things. It's all related. And you and I talked about yesterday on our walk the fact that some of our best agents in terms of doing their lead follow-up with urgency, our best uh, outward prospectors, our most successful agents, they also don't procrastinate things like working out. It's all related. It seems that it may be part of the same part of your brain where if you adopt that, then it translates over to other things. I know when I practice piano regularly, everything else that I do is better. I don't know why that is, but down with procrastination. <laughs> but I like so that I'm a doer, I do things, now I get things done. Go ahead. So what I'm hearing you say, though, is that there wasn't a long, complicated, think about it process to stop procrastinating. You just basically... Right. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and I talk about that with my coaching clients because many of them will come to the call knowing that they are procrastinators or avoiders of certain things, and they've convinced themselves that there must be something wrong with them. And I'm very uh, direct with them after getting to know them and making sure there isn't actually something wrong with them. You know, occasionally I'll have a client where I can't understand a word they're saying, and I'll send them to an accent reduction coach or something like that where something actually might be holding them back, and I'm going to be honest with them about that. But 99% of the time, there's nothing wrong with them. They just have to put one foot in front of the other, take action now, and do what Napoleon talks about. Create a definite plan for carrying out your desire and begin at once, whether you're ready or not, put the plan into action. You know, there's a psychological angle to all of this, obviously. First of Mm -hmm. all, the whole procrastination thing is usually just basically societally reinforced learned behavior. Right. You know, learn bad behavior. Because if you mm-hmm. grow up in an academic background, it's normal for have you know basically to be around people that are. I mean, your your parents are both school teachers, and mm-hmm. they're both analytical for the most part. And it's na- it's natural, and having grown up like you did, to have a lot of people around you that are going to be re- reinforcing the sort of you know analytical ethos. Yeah, we like of, details. You know, we like to study stuff. But in right. business, and, you don't have time to become 
an expert, and that I believe that that's a myth, that if you're being really good and really frosty growing your business, that you never believe that you are an expert, that you're an all-out specialist, that you know all there is to know. I just don't right. think that that's possible in business. You're, you're absolutely stagnating if you take the time. That's not to say that you're not supposed to study things like the listing presentation and how to present, but to always be polishing and upgrading and doing better, that does move the ball forward. You know, that's, that's why right. our saying, you know, with our coaching is your job is to earn while you learn. You know, if you wait around to be perfect, you're going to go broke in the meantime. That's right. And by the way, it's Marissa Meyer who said that, you know, uh, perfect ah, is you. the enemy of good, right? I love that the quote. Of the, per, uh, I'm sorry, perfect is the enemy of done. And I think if I remember correctly, she's with Facebook, not with Yahoo. But in any event, uh, you know, you can imagine uh, she took over the job of being CEO of uh, Facebook, and she was around all these analytical dudes in their 20s and probably 30s now. And a lot of these guys had, you know, essentially procrastinated their way to success and think and thought and probably still in many ways still act like, you know, you have to be making sure everything's perfect before you actually release the product. But like Julie said, there, the end result is you've got to get things done. And there is no way to think your way out of procrastination. You have to work and do your way out of procrastination. And that's pretty much it. Frankly, when I get a real strong procrastinator as a coaching client, what you've got to do psychologically is help them overcome their procrastination by creating, uh, like, so, for example, they have fears in their minds of failure, fears of the, in their minds of what happens if the seller says this to me or I have this situation or that situation. So they think they have to study all possible, you know, ramifications, all possible scenarios before they'll actually take action. So they perceive the pain of not actually being completely studied uh, to be greater like than the pain of actually taking the action. So what you have to do to tr make that simpler to understand is as their coach, I have to, frankly, and oftentimes if they're really, really bad procrastinators, I have to create some really painful situation that if they don't do what they promise they're going to do from week to week, not what I tell them to do, what they promise they're going to do from week to week, right. if they procrastinate it, then they'll have to pay a fine or there'll be some sort of other sort of you know painful ramification. So, like, for example, if you say you're going to contact five of your centers of influence and past clients, obviously those of you uh, who are coaching clients, you know that I always tell you to make sure they're not on the do not call list. So assume you're legally prospecting your centers of influence and past clients, and you call those guys, you know, you're supposed to call them, let's just say you're supposed to make five contacts between this coaching call and the next one, and you don't do it. Well, so for every coaching call or every contact you don't make, there's a $100 fine. Right, so something tells me that you're going to all of a sudden find the motivation and get over the procrastination. And once you have several coaching calls like that, sometimes it takes a month, where you have mm -hmm. to keep on inflicting a, a greater negative than the perceived negative of actually doing the effort. Right. Once you do that for enough calls in a row, what happens is that procrastination uh, software in that person's brain starts to be replaced by that taking action software. And then their world changes. And to be honest with you, Julie, a lot of the procrastinators, the analytical folks, they oftentimes, over time, will make the greatest coaching clients because they can program themselves to do, you know, basically mm -hmm. they embrace repetitious boredom because that's kind of how they're designed. Right, and know, they're results-oriented too. You know, they like yeah. effort equals results. And, you know, to be honest, it's not just the analytical clients. There is an element, certain clients that are more on the expressive and driver side that don't, 
feel like they should be doing that. It should be somehow True. the client's job or the prospect's job to call them. And it's maybe an ego thing for some agents. I suppose that could apply to all four personality styles. And it's interesting when you change that mindset that it's not the prospect's job to call you. The reason you get paid is because you're helping them. And if that means you've got to call them three times in order to reach them because they're at work or they've been on vacation or they were at their kid's soccer game, that's part of your job. So I think that for some agents, the procrastination is caused by different things. But no matter who they are, the thing that bothers me as a coach is it gives you a built-in reason for maybe why you don't have the success that you want. It, oh, it's because I haven't studied that enough or I'm not quite perfect enough or I haven't, you know, I don't quite know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. And that's where you've got to just take the plunge. And it's okay to hear no. It's okay to hear that that client's not ever going to do anything. They're not a lead anymore, but at least you know. So I'm a big believer in just break the ice. It's better to find out something than to blow it off. You know, well, all big coaching thought. lessons, really. Go ahead. Yeah, and if you guys, so all of you procrastinators out there, and you know you're procrastinators, you've got a list of things to do and they aren't getting done, on, and the specific things that you're supposed to be doing that aren't getting done are the things that are going to put money in your pocket. If you're having problems actually taking action on those things, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. But you've just listened to Julie and I tell you how we're going to help you overcome procrastination. So please come ready to accept the fact that the sometimes the medicine is going to Tastes kind of bitter, but the end result is you're going to be better. So just keep that yeah. in mind. All right, the next point, Julie, we also talked about this on our walk yesterday, which mm -hmm. I'm glad uh, to see made it into our notes today. And we're going to go a little bit over today, guys, so don't okay. worry about it. So we are – is that okay with you, Julie? Do you have a – Yeah, I, I was just making this? sure you were aware. Yeah. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay, it. so we're going to go a little bit over today, guys, because this next point I think is actually ties in well with the last one. And the next point that I wrote down, that Julie and I wrote down – was, Julie, you can go ahead, embrace change. Read the rest of it, please. Embrace change. Victims are frightened by change, and leaders grow inspired by it. So Julie and I are going on this long walk yesterday. It was probably 10 miles, right? We're walking through the hills of Austin, beautiful, beautiful day, just not too hot, not too cold, just really nice. And we had, we're talking about essentially what makes a really phenomenal coaching client. Yes, that's right. When we're not working, this is what we talk about. We talk about you guys. When we tell you guys that we've literally done hundreds of thousands of coaching calls each, um, I don't say that to brag. I say that so you'll feel sorry for us. Right. <laughs> you should. <laughs> yes, Some calls should. more than right, others, so, probably. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about change that's very interesting to me. So you guys, we do, everyone runs into people all the time that try to get to a point in their lives they don't use these words, but where they get to the point where they can be comfortable, okay, mm -hmm. where they can be, become complacent, where they can actually stop feeling like they have to get better, where they feel like they can just kind of kick their feet back. You know, psychologically, we all enter this little sort of stage of retirement at different stages in our lives for different things. It could be financial. It could be spiritual. So what am I talking about? Financially, have you just essentially hit the pause button and you aren't really focused on improving your financial situation? Well, I mean, that's obviously what we focus on because we're your business coach. So if you're focusing on your – if you know, you know, have, physically, are you even paying attention to your weight? Are you even paying attention to your health? Are you even paying attention to the things that you're putting into your body? Not our space, not our area of expertise, but, again, this is another surefire way to know whether or not you're complacent 
whether or not you embrace change or you reject it. So here's, here's the theory. Here's the working theory that Julie and I were talking about. You know, we were walking through the beautiful, you know, mountains or hills and looking at the, the streams and the rock formations and the gorgeous trees and the spring flowers coming out. I know Midwest is still suffering from a long winter, but the flowers will come out, guys. Just have patience. So we are walking through and enjoying this beautiful afternoon. And, you know, Julie and I, we are surrounded by things that are changing constantly. But not just that. Those things, you know, everything, the rocks, the flowers, the trees, the, the molecules in the air, the everything is constantly changing. We, our bodies, are constantly changing. I don't remember off the top of my head, but literally every single aspect of your physical body uh, replicates itself, reproduces itself every so many days. You know, you essentially, all the liver cells you have, for example, replace themselves after so many, you know, weeks or whatnot. I'm not a physician, but some of you have been exposed to this type of, uh, you know, physical information, this type of health information before. That's, again, getting back to the reason why you've got to make sure you're being careful what you feed your body. So, you know, we are walking through nature. We're obviously part of nature, and we're realizing everything around us tries, is always evolving. It's always changing. Everything is always becoming something else. The flowers are becoming something else, and then a month or so from now, they'll become something else. And you are exactly the same as that flower is. So stay with me on this. I'm not going too far off on the crazy end here. Just follow me on this. So if in your thinking you decide that you're going to become complacent, or maybe you don't decide, but your actions have essentially are a representative of a subconscious decision you made to not continue to evolve. If you decide, for example, not to get better at your real estate skills, if you decide to not become better at your presentation skills, if you decide to not be constantly improving literally every aspect of your life and the aspects of your life that you're not improving, you have decided to go against nature and embrace complacency. That is the root of all problems in our opinion. So if you, for example, get to the point where you feel like you have a perfect relationship with your family, everything's ideal, and you stop doing the things that you had to do to make it so that it was ideal, that relationship will degrade, won't it? If you think you have a perfect financial situation, you've got all the money in the world, Everything's perfect, so screw it. You're not going to pay attention anymore. You're just going to be complacent. You're going to let it coast. You're going to delegate it. You're going to do whatever it is that you're going to do. What happens to that money? It disappears because essentially what you focus on expands. Where you put your energy expands in a good way or a bad way. But so many of us, especially in the real estate industry, we get to the point where we have a certain war chest of skills where we know enough or we think we do, and so we don't evolve it, we don't change it, we don't allow it to grow, and as a result of that, we start to struggle. You know you're going the wrong direction if you feel like you're struggling. If everything is a little bit harder than it used to be, it's because you are fighting, the, uh, frankly, the way we are all designed, which is to constantly change. See, your situation is changing. It's just changing not for the good, but it's changing against you. So if you're not constantly evolving, embrace change with this point, you are actually going to devolve. You're actually going to start in that specific aspect of your existence, of your life, you're going to start dying. That's the reality of how it actually works. You know people like this. You can walk into people's houses sometimes, and it's like a time capsule of, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I remember when when we used to pre-qualify sellers and they'd say, oh, it's been completely renovated. And, of course, we would believe them and we'd be all excited and our CMA would be a little on the high side. And then a few times we walked in and, okay, renovated. So now we added to our pre-qualification script, you know, what year, (laughs) right? Because I remember Oscar's house. I know you remember him. It was beautifully renovated in about 1967, you know, velvet wallpaper. And it was high quality. It was beautiful back then. (laughs) But that's an example of someone that's in the time capsule. And sometimes you can be in a time capsule in your mind, too. I mean, I think back to when the market changed, how many agents, how many hundreds of thousands of agents didn't want to believe what was happening? Oh, it can't last right. forever. Things will turn around. It'll be better in the spring. Oh, it'll be better next spring. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting to see those cycles, and it's important to stay really tuned in and really present with what's going on in your head and your marketplace. You know, with your sellers and buyers. I talked to my agents that have tons of listings, and we monitor the number and frequency of showings that they're getting because that can stagnate. They can believe that it's going to be you know low inventory, multiple offers forever until it isn't. Well, but that's just the thing, right? So what worked yesterday, I guarantee you won't work as good today. It's impossible. So you have to always be changing, always be evolving, always be getting smarter, always be keeping yourself challenged. Uh, I think about the people, Julie, and I feel sorry for them, to be honest with you, because, you know, (laughs) when I'm thinking about you guys, I remember Julie and I, and I remember in our real estate practice, the times where it was literally a couple of closed deals or we were going to have issues. So we didn't always have a smooth path to success. We did sell hundreds of houses, but trust me when I tell you, we probably screwed up twice as much as often as we had success. It's true. And there were times when, you know, it was really, really stressful and it was really desperate, especially in like the first three years when we were trying to figure everything out back when we were in our early 20s. You know, and I remember how that felt. And I remember how no matter what, we didn't give up and we pulled through. We were able to do what we had to do. See, the change forced us. The stress forced us. The situation forced us to get better. It forced us to evolve. And so when I'm thinking about any kind of coaching call with you guys, when I'm keep thinking about what to present, what to write, what anything to share, I'm always reconnecting with that Tim and Julie from you know 20 years ago. I'm always remembering how we felt then and how I want to free you guys of ever having to feel the same way. And I, I know Julie's motivated by the exact same thing. So there's an old Chinese proverb that says, a smart man, I was going to try a Chinese uh, accent, but I'll insult somebody <laughs> so I won't. But a smart man learns from his mistakes, and a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. That's what coaching's all about, guys. It's learning from the mistakes of others as much as it is learning what to do. But learning not what, what not to do is usually a more valuable lesson than learning what to do. Think about that for a second. So we're going to pick up where we left off. After, see, tomorrow's the Pat Hyben interview, and then the following day, Julie and I will get back to these points. Obviously, we really love these points, these points because, we, you know, it's so, I think, if you're opening your mind, it's so... And Wednesday's my birthday, so chocolate, flowers, cookies, all this is good. It's all right. Yes. Whatever you like. All the above. <laughs> You know, the only problem is they're all going to send it to our Las Vegas address. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll call Actually, and get Rochelle, and she'll get eat it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rochelle will be like, oh, I'll take it all. So, uh, you guys, if you want to wish my lovely wife a happy 43rd birthday, mm-hmm. which is scary since I've known Julie since she was 15. Oh, my God. Anyway, 
So if you'd like to send yeah. Julie birthday wishes, uh, you may do so by sending them to her directly at CoachJulieHarris at gmail.com. Coach Julie and don't forget, Harris. Tim's was yesterday, CoachTimHarris at gmail.com. So we're in our mutual <laughs> birthday week here. That's right. We're mutual birthday week. So I get to be married to a woman who's two years younger than me for one more day, so I'm going to enjoy that. That's right. Because <laughs> yeah, Julie's only, you know, she was born in two, uh, 1971 and I was born in 1970, for those of you who can't figure out what the heck I'm talking about. So uh, we're going to end here, and we're going to pick up with the Pat Hyben interview tomorrow. Thank you for listening today, guys. Hopefully you're getting a lot from, I, I think, our maybe in some cases overly frank and overly, I think, honest conversation. We're really telling you the kinds of things that I personally wish we would have known back when we were selling real estate, things that we've only learned from having done literally tens of thousands of coaching calls, the real truth behind the the big, you know, the big red velvet curtains of, you know, real estate glamour, the real truth behind real estate teams, the real truth behind how you actually build wealth in this business. That's what we're all about. So connect with us, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. In the meantime, make sure everyone listens tomorrow for our, I think will be wonderful, conversation with Pat Hyman, and we'll talk with you tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.